All right, we're in this series called Christ Before Christmas. Uh, on Sunday morning next week, we're going to talk about what Christ took off before Christmas. And then Christmas Eve night, we're going to talk about what Christ put on uh, at Christmas. And so this, this message will be probably one of the most unusual that you've had, uh, but you've got to expect the unusual when you come to the vineyard. That should be our, expect the unexpected, you know. Not always does that translate into something really good, but anyway, uh, this story we're going to look at is we've looked at these accounts of, of, of Christ coming to planet earth before Christmas, before his incarnation. And he, he comes in the form of a human every time he shows up, but he has different roles that he's representing different ways. He's revealing who God is to people. When he shows up, when he showed up, Abraham as a king and a priest and Melchizedek, I mean, he was decked out. Can you imagine the, the gold crown, the robe, the royal? I mean, an amazing uh, a demonstration when he when he showed up with the, the, the three men in the, uh, the fiery furnace. Uh, I mean, uh, just the power to to not let the fire touch them. And then he shows up in a bush, a burning bush shows up as a flame, a fire that doesn't burn the bush uh, when Moses takes his shoes off. And, but today we're going to look at him in a way that, now remember, each of these appearances is to reveal who our God is to us as we need him to be, the great I am or whatever he's revealing. And he's also demonstrating what he's going to be when he comes to planet earth. But it's going to be in an unusual way he fulfills these roles. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So we're in the book of Joshua. He's about to go into battle. He's about to lead Israel. They've crossed the Jordan. They're on a march to possess the land that God's given them. And there's a massive obstacle, the city of Jericho, thick walls, heavy, heavy defenses. And so he's obviously intimidated. He's obviously got anxiety. He's obviously on edge. He's about to lead his troops into battle. There's going to be great losses. There, there's got to be deep insecurity, even though he has faith. And so he's kind of probably walking around and he's thinking of strategy and he's probably praying and he has this encounter. So let's pick up the story in Joshua chapter five, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, saw a man, in his mind, it appeared to be a man, standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Thinking of preparation for battle, obviously. And he says to him, take your shoes off. Get vulnerable. Humble yourself. You're standing before your commander, your God. This is Jesus. Take your shoes off. And it says, and Joshua did so. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. 
march around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days. And then he goes on, he tells them about the trumpets and give it a great shout. It's a very unusual battle strategy. Uh, you're going to march around the city, you're going to blow horns, and you're going to shout. Uh, it's, it's a kingdom strategy, which we'll get to in a minute. Let's come back. So he meets this, this commander of the Lord's army. Now, again, if you take your shoes off to worship an angel, you're in idolatry. If you take your shoes off, Moses did at the bush to worship an angel, idolatry. This is not an angel. This is Jesus. Before he took a human body, he's come in the form of a man, but this time he's come as a warrior. I love this because sometimes you've got to get your imagination. He's got a sword drawn. Now, most of us think of Jesus as passive Jesus, you know, limp wrist Jesus, you know, just kind of mushy Jesus, you know, baby Jesus, harmless Jesus. We don't often think of the warrior Jesus. What I want to do this morning is help you see the warrior heart. That's in Jesus. It was in Jesus before he came to earth. It was in Jesus when he was on earth. It's still in Jesus, and it'll be in Jesus when he returns. He's a warrior. He's a heavenly warrior. He fights differently and for different reasons, and we'll talk about that. But I want to help provoke your imagination. Some of you, you know, it's one of the, I think one of the downsides of so much video, so much. You, you, you tend to get dull. You let everybody else create stuff for you. Instead of your own God-given imaginations. When you read the Bible, you've got to bring into it some imagination. I bring into it sound effects. And if I had one of those Bibles and I could have my own sound effects, when you opened to Joshua 5 and you started reading, all of a sudden it would be playing George Thorogood. Bad. Now some of you are too young to know what that means. Some of you are too old and don't care what it means. But then I would, I would see in my mind this picture of the warrior Jesus. Do we have that picture? Not me. I'm, I'm going to just help you right now. It's not me. Here we go. Now, that's who Joshua, and I don't know, you know, who knows what he looked, but that's how I envision. Can you imagine that dude standing in front of you, looking at you with those, those eyes of fire? Sword drawn like he knows what he's doing with that sword. It's not like, which ends up? Do I hold the sharp end or do I hold the, you know, this is a guy that's cut heads off before. This is a guy that's gone to battle. This is a warrior. This is a veteran warrior. This is a commander of armies of heaven that have delivered and fought and defeated darkness. Heavenly war has been going on since before the Garden of Eden. The book of Job gives us a little picture into that battleground, that warfare. This warrior is Jesus before Christmas. This is the Lord mighty in battle. In fact, Moses calls this in Exodus 15. We'll put that verse up. Exodus calls this God, he calls him, the Lord is a warrior. The implication there is a mighty warrior who's experienced in battle. He's, he's, he's heroic. He's, he's never lost a battle. Moses is saying this in the context that that warrior that you just saw, that commander, led an invisible army to come in and defeat 
an enemy by the power of blood put over the door. They destroyed Pharaoh. They destroyed the firstborn. And then the armies of Egypt came on the heels of Israel being delivered and the Lord of war wiped them out. You say, well, that's not very nice. God is not nice to wickedness. God has justice on evil. When God picks up the sword, he does it. No, no one ever needs to fear the sword of the Lord except for darkness, evil, and wickedness. You make room for that in your life, you better fear the sword. When Jesus picks up the sword, he knows how to use it. When he comes to Joshua, he's got the sword drawn for a reason. You've got to understand that God is not a pacifist. There are pacifists in this world, and maybe that's people's conviction, and, you know, they don't want to resist evil, and they don't want to show aggression, and they don't want to, you know, the Bible, I don't believe, teaches that. It does teach being peacemakers, and it does teach fighting the right battles with the right weapons. It does teach walking in humility and walking in love, but it's not anti-order. It's not anti-law. It's not anti-police. It's not anti-those that would stop wickedness. In fact, the book of Romans teaches that those that have been empowered in authority against evil, they bear a sword not in vain. In other words, if I'm in trouble, I call 911. If someone has broken into my home, attacking my wife, stabbing me, coming after my children, I'm not calling for a cop that's a pacifist. I don't believe in carrying guns. I don't want that one. Bring me one that's got a bigger gun than the one that's in my home. You want somebody that's going to defend you. You don't want somebody to come in and say, I'd like to negotiate. You can't negotiate with someone with a gun in their hand shooting people. Now, once you get him under authority, evil should fear righteous. Now, I get it. There are times there's unrighteous people that get in power and do unrighteous things. That's not the point. The point is, is that God puts justice in place. And at the end of the book that we'll look at in a minute, when Christ returns, justice will set everything to right. God will overcome all of wickedness. Now let's go back to the story where Joshua, and Joshua sees this bad to the bone Jesus. I mean, he's not little baby Jesus here. This isn't, I'd love to have a Christmas card, baby Jesus with a sword in his hand. People would lose their minds. Because they would interpret the sword to mean a literal sword and as though he was implying he's going to bring violence, which the church has been guilty of over the years of trying to extend the kingdom with violence. Can you imagine getting baptized because your other option was your head being cut off? We'd fill the tank up next week, wouldn't we? We'd do a pretty good job. Maybe we should try that. Get the swords out. You haven't been baptized? You like that head on your shoulders? You might want to get in the water. That's sad. They did that. The church did that. They had a lot of baptisms. Not many of them because they wanted to. And that's not a baptism. That's, 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 that's 
wickedness. That's wickedness getting in the minds of the church that God needs us and our power to extend his kingdom. So Joshua comes to him. Now, I love this about Joshua because the idea here, put that picture back up, bad to the bone. Put that picture back. This guy's got his sword drawn. The word here, uh, we'll look at it in a minute in the verse, but put that picture up. It says that he saw a man standing in front of him. The word standing there is an aggressive term. It means this. It looked like this. You're not getting by me. You're not getting through me. You're not going around me. You're going to deal with me now. Serious business. Joshua doesn't run. Now think about it. Looking at somebody bad to the bone. Or he could have looked like this. Let's show that other picture. I, I, I could I could gone with either. How about that warrior? Come on. I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm showing up like that. You got something to say to me? You talking to me? I mean, come on. Think about it. He's the commander of the armies of the kingdom of God. He has millions of angels that are bad to the bone that at his beck and call. And he shows up to Joshua. But Joshua is not going to run. Joshua comes at him, probably with the sword partially drawn. Now let's go to the scriptures. Joshua comes at him, the man that has his sword drawn. And Joshua says at the end of verse 13, are you for us or for our enemies? And if he said our enemies, they're going to have battle right then. Joshua's going to defend on the, on the spot. And I love the answer. Don't miss this. This will help you in your understanding of the heart of God and how the kingdom of God works. Because Joshua says, whose side are you on? Our side or their side? And he says, neither. Verse 14, neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell down. Let me help you. I'm gonna, this is going to hurt a little bit, maybe a lot for some of you. But that's okay. Pain came when the dentist pulls that tooth out. It's going to hurt, and, but it's got to get out. Some of you have wrong thinking about God. You think that God takes sides. And in our pride, we think he's on our side. Come on. Let's go political for a minute. You look at the many of the Facebook posts of conservative Christians, and you would think that God was a raving conservative. That's just who he is, because he's on our side, and he's against that side. Got real quiet in here. <laughs> or you could say it the other way around. There are people that are liberal that think that they understand the mercy of God better than God himself, and they think God's on their side. And, and there's this, this schism in our culture. Instead of saying, okay, we have our convictions, we have our opinions, you can vote. But let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is not going to be extended by you claiming God on your political side. No, God didn't come to take a side. He comes to take over. He comes to be the Lord of... He's not the God of America. We don't own him. We can't claim him. We can say, God's on the side of America. 
No, he's not. As though he's not on the side of other countries. Every tribe, kindred, language. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe will bow at the name of Jesus, the commander of the armies of the Lord. So we have to walk in humility and say, because, you know, I I read, I love history, and and you can read about the the wars that went on for years in England against the English, against the Scottish, and, 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 and both sides would be on their faces crying out to God, taking the Bible and, and, and asking God for help because they were convinced God was on their side. As they go to kill their brothers, the, the civil war, the North and the South. There were people praying on both sides and going and killing each other. That's not how the kingdom of God is extended. It's God's kingdom above every side, and you can make a choice to be on his side or against him. That's the only options. It's not my side, or, you know, it can't be like, and I I know this will hurt some of you, but I love to play with people and see how serious they are about their team. But it's kind of like Jason survived this in the first service, so if he can do it, you can survive it. It's kind of, he even Googled it to correct me on who, it sounds better when I say Jerry Jones said it. But somebody apparently back in the 60s declared that Dallas Cowboys was America's team. And every other team lost their minds over that. They've been hated by every other team. Is there a more hated team in the NFL? And they brought it on themselves. We're America's team. I had to show up for prayer last week. There were three men with Dallas Cowboy gear on. And that answer, did they win on Monday night? Yeah. I had a guy from New Jersey that doesn't even like the Cowboys had a jersey on. So we can get that about the Cowboys, but we got to learn to get that about our own life. Watch your prayers trying to get God to get on your side. You don't want God on your side because often our side's the wrong side. You want to be on his side because he said, if I'm for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. But the only way you can know God's for you is just you've done what Joshua did. He surrendered to God. He said, whose side? Neither. I'm come as the command, bad commander. I didn't come to lose a battle. He's never lost a battle. He knows how to bear the sword. I don't know all the battles Christ has been in before he came to earth. But he has swung the sword against darkness. He has battled enemies from hell. He has stood in the defense of his people from delivering them from Egypt to intervening in them when they cried out. He's got the armies of heaven behind him. Now, this armored, plated warrior, God with a sword, becomes, let's show the next picture, baby Jesus. I like baby Jesus better than that scary warrior. Can we just stay with baby Jesus? It's Christmas time. We just keep baby Jesus. I just keep him baby, baby Jesus. We like baby Jesus. I don't want that Jesus with a sword. Again, a Christmas card with a baby Jesus with a sword in his hand. Come on, that's going viral. A little blood dripped on it. 
Prince of Peace. <laughs> now, see, we think that about him. Now, again, the gun toters think of that as putting a, a weapon in his hand. And, but the, the reality is that same warrior lays down his sword, takes off his armor, puts on that baby uniform, comes to earth, still bad of the bone, fearless, more, you could argue, more fearless. It's one thing to go to war with armor and a sword. It's another thing to invade the enemy's territory, which is what Christmas was. It was the D-Day invasion of the kingdom of God. It was Jesus came to the enemy's turf to get back what's been stolen in the Garden of Eden. Jesus came to do war with the prince of darkness. He came to crush his head, but he does it in such a kingdom way that it blows people's minds. He does it in weakness, but never fear. Never confuse Christ's humility, vulnerability with some pansy, sissy Jesus. This is still the Jesus that went in the temple and threw tables upside down, cracked a whip. Well, it was just symbolic. He was just being, get out, just this bad. You're bad. You don't, don't do, stop it. I'm going to count to 10. If I get to 10, I'm going to use the whip. I'm telling you, I'm going to, you know. Same Jesus that showed up to Joshua. Same Jesus. Warrior. Mighty. Fearless. But he's come in the power of love. He's come with a message of forgiveness. He's come with mercy. He's not going to just defeat evil. He's going to transform it. He didn't just want to take over Jamie's life. He came and he conquered me and turned me into one of his followers. That's what he did in your life. When I came to Christ, it was a violent act. Now, I didn't know that was going on. I just knew I was in trouble. I'm an idiot. I'm sinful. I'm, I'm, I've, I've hurt people, and I needed forgiveness. I didn't understand that when he pulled me out of darkness, hell was shaken. Hell lost one of its better warriors. Hell lost one of its soldiers when Jesus came and snatched me out of the grasp and the lies and the deception. When the good news, which is more powerful than an atomic weapon, when the good news pierced my darkness, defeated the lies in my mind, unveiled the heart of a God that loves me, showed me the power of the blood that forgave me and paid for my sins, changed my heart and called me into a war that's more real than what's going on in Israel right now and what's going on in, in uh, 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 Russia and Ukraine. It, it, it's, that's a physical war. It's horrible. It's terrible. But the worst thing that happens in that war is people get destroyed physically. We're in a battle about people's souls, eternity, destiny. We're in a battle for people's heart and soul. Jesus said it this way, don't fear him who can kill the body. 
And after that, there's nothing they can do. But fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hell. There is a fear of God, of the seriousness of what we're doing. And I get it. We love to have fun. We love baby Jesus. And we're going to celebrate Christmas. But baby Jesus came to cause a war. And I love one of my favorite. Go with me to Matthew 26. This is after baby Jesus grows up. He's about to be crucified. He, he's, you know, they think they have authority over him. And, and Jesus brings this word. He, in fact, he had told Peter, Peter, go get a sword. Peter's a fisherman. He doesn't know how to use a sword. And, uh, and, and, and they come to get Jesus. And Peter's like, you're not getting my Jesus. And he took a swipe at the guy. Now, some people think he went like this. Nobody's going to stand there. Oh, a little further. Cut my ear off. Just keep. No, you're missing. Just. No, Peter was, went like this. He was going to cut his head off. I mean, you're going to use the sword, use it. Don't just, you know, what, what does Peter think? Peter wanted to walk around with an ear? No, he wanted the head. Like David cut Goliath's head off. And the guy turns his head, whoop, ear comes off. Jesus bends over, picks up the ear, puts it back on, heals him. How, you can't, how do you take some in the jail? He, what did he do? He cut my ear off. My, my, the ear looks fine to me. So he kept Peter from going to prison. And then he says to Peter, uh, verse 32, he says to Peter of, of chapter 26, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Verse 53, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once. The idea isn't a lesser asking a, a, a greater for, for a favor. The idea here is an equal calling on an equal to do what they would do. He said, could I not ask the father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Listen to me. It's one thing to be defeated by a more powerful enemy because you didn't have the ability to resist them. It's another thing to allow yourself to be defeated by a weaker enemy because you choose to leave your sword at home. He didn't bring his sword from heaven. He didn't call on his warriors. Do you know what these, this is over 10,000 warriors. Could you imagine how bad, put up that bad to the bone picture again. Can you imagine 10,000 of these dudes showing up? And they're, they're not gender specific, but bad to the bone. 10,000. Let's just start there. 10,000. You think you have authority over me? You have no authority. So first he wanted Peter to learn, I don't need you to protect me. If you've got a Jesus that needs you to protect him, you've got the wrong Jesus. Remember, you have this Jesus. He doesn't, he's not afraid of anybody. He's not embarrassed. He's not, he's not intimidated because some theological guy loses his mind and dismantles the Bible and says that miracles aren't real. Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Jesus isn't equal with God. It's just mythological. Jesus doesn't go, oh, oh, I don't know what to do. He's Jesus. He's not intimidated by mock. You don't have to get online. Let me relieve you. In the name of Jesus, you do not have to defend God on the internet. 
You don't have to do it. Stop it. It makes him seem weak. Because your opinion, you're weak and you're, you know, just love people. Be kind, be humble. That doesn't mean you can't have opinions. I'm just saying when it gets into the arena of faith, you can't try to feel like that you're the defender of the kingdom of God. Peter, put your sword up. I don't need your help. I'll let you know if I need something. I've got 10,000 bad-to-the-bone warriors that are ready to come down and lop the heads off of everybody around here. But that's not my kingdom, Peter. That's not how I'm going to do it. I choose to lay my life. No one takes, no one took the life of Jesus. Yes, they did in the natural, in the human side. But Jesus laid his life down in total control. And he didn't cower. He wasn't afraid. He, he, was, a, he was in a war that was going to be won by a sacrificial act of love of the God of the universe to die on a cross. So it's, it's, it, it's not that he couldn't have. It's that he chose not to go back to the warrior that Joshua met. Now he becomes that warrior. He becomes that warrior and the book of Revelation when he returns to earth. He doesn't come as baby Jesus the second time. Baby Jesus is coming. Sing the carols. Put, put Revelation 19 back up there. Or put up there. Revelation 19 verse 10. It says, John says, I saw this white horse. Is it on the back? Uh, Revelation 19 10. That's not it. 11. Go to 11. Did I get the wrong? I saw heaven open, and standing there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. Next verse. His eyes were like a blazing fire. Does that sound like baby Jesus? Mm. On his head were many crowns. He's everybody's king. Every nation's king. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. My contention is it's his own blood. It's the power of the victory of the cross. And in his name, because there's been no battle yet. And in his name, and his name is the word of God. Verse 14. The armies of heaven, bad of the bone. They all were like the warriors times whatever. Unimaginable. Fearless. Have fought wars for thousands of years. Veterans. Know how to defeat darkness. The armies of heaven were following, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, which could be the saints uh, that had gone ahead as well. Verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. There's the sword. Put, that, put the, the warrior with the armor on back up. I'm going to just close with this. Listen to me. You're going to get in some tight spots trying to follow Jesus. Tight spots. You're going to come under attack. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You may feel that way now. You're going to feel outnumbered. You're going to feel like the prophet's servant in the book of 2 Kings that the enemies had surrounded them. And he said, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, Lord, would you just open his eyes? And he looked around the mountain and he saw his angels and chariots of fire and the prophet said to him you know there's more that's for us than there are against us but doesn't feel that way doesn't seem that way 
Lord, open our eyes. We're in a spiritual battle. Joshua was fighting in the natural, but there were still spiritual dimensions to that battle. They did stupid things to win by like walking around in a circle, blowing a trumpet and shouting. That's not a much of a strategy for a battle, but that's a kingdom strategy. It's called worship. Let God fight for you. It's Jesus said, that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to take your side. I've come to take over. I'm going to give you the city. I'm going to give you the victory. Now, when you put that warrior back up with the armor on, I want you to see this is how you're to dress in the kingdom of God. Now, God provided all that for you. I don't care if you're a female and 100 pounds. I don't care if you're young, older. Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God. It's a spiritual armor. Will it stop a bullet in a bowling alley with a crazed shooter? No. But it can't touch the soul. It can't touch your soul. Did diabetes and attack our sister? And tear up her body and destroy, but it didn't touch her. So this is how Roxana was dressed when we went to see her in the hospital. Now, in the natural, she didn't look like that physically, but that's what her spirit looked like. Armor of God, dressed for war, about to face the worst enemy, death. But she had the warrior. You know, my wife, Kim, Pastor Kim, was in a room one time in a Hope Hospice. Very similar. A godly woman from New York. And just tough as nails. She was about 105 pounds. But tough. She's from Puerto Rico. Tough as nails. She used to go in and clean out uh, uh, apartment complexes and run out drug dealers. Now, that's bad of the bone. Fearless. She went with Jesus. Well, she came here. Kim picked her up one time. She was hitchhiking. We didn't know her. Picked her up, pulled in a suitcase. Somebody had forgotten her to pick her up. And Kim, I never wanted her to pick up hitchhikers, but she did. And the lady says, I don't get in with strange people, but she did. And Kim got to help bring her to Jesus, brought her to the church. And then she was dying of cancer. And Kim was in the whole hospice room. And, and all of a sudden, through the wall, came a bad to the bone angel. Just stepped in. Had a hood. Eyes staring right at Ronnie. Never gave Kim a thought. Never gave her a look. Just walked through the wall and stood there guarding. You do. She was so, you walked out backwards, didn't you? Kim, she walked out like this. Didn't want to touch it. Didn't want to interrupt it. Roxy had those. Now, now we, you don't always get to see them. That's where faith comes in. You've got to see yourself to be dressed like this when the enemy assaults you and attacks you. You got to learn to fight back. You got to learn to take the sword up. You got the sword is the word of God, the power. When Jesus faced the devil, he didn't face him with an earthly sword. He faced him with the power of the word of God. He was the word of God. Jesus had a violent encounter with darkness. The only way to fight him wasn't to be like him. You can't beat the devil by becoming like him. You can't beat hatred with hatred. You can't beat lies with lying. You can't beat force with more force. In the kingdom of God, he brings a power, but it's a power of love and weakness and humility, but it overthrows the kingdom of darkness. It defeats his lies, and it breaks his chains. Can you see yourself dressed like that? 
You've got to learn to see because you feel weak. You feel you know, anxiety and attacks and I'm surrounded. And, but call on Captain Jesus. He's not baby Jesus. He's Captain Jesus. Let him come and bring the warriors. Where you can feel that confidence that he's with me. I'm not alone. I'm never alone. And he makes those walls come down that Joshua could have never made come down. And then Joshua went in for the cleanup. Jesus. I don't want to be on his bad side. I want to be his friend. Whose side are you on? Jesus. That's what you declare when you say yes to Jesus. That's what you declare when you get baptized. That you're in the army of God. That means you have a violent enemy to oppose you. Attacks, assaults, temptations, viciousness. Satan is vicious. But you can only defeat him when you call on the name of the one he fears the most. The Lord Jesus, when you speak the name, you have a weapon that the enemy has no defense to. If you try to fight him with your own strength, you'll do like Moses and he killed the Egyptian. But if you want to fight in his power, all Moses did was lifted the rod that represented the authority God gave him, the sword, and God parted the waters. And he defeated and drowned the armies of Egypt in those waters. Is he your king? Come on. If he's your king, then you don't have to fear anyone else. He's your commander. Are you following his orders? Got to ask him. Joshua said, well, what do you want me to do? The implication was, how do I get ready for battle? Take your shoes off. Okay. And when he did... Surrender. That was his way. I can't prove this. Just, again, my imagination. I don't know the history of, of knighting, but in my mind, put up bad to the bone Jesus again. In my mind, when he fell on his face with his shoes off, he took his sword and he taps him and says, I commission you to go into my battle. That commissioning is saying, I will fight with you. It's my battle. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I feel the Lord would do that today to people that would just say, Lord, I want to be your soldier. I want to fight in your kingdom, your way, which is the path of humility. I'd rather be back bad to the bone days and let's go in and cut heads off. God's like, no, you're probably going to get your head cut off. Could come to that real quick. But it's in the death of the saints that the church has grown. You can't stop it because you've got this commander leading us into battle. And he doesn't lose. He doesn't run. 
He doesn't compromise and he doesn't negotiate. He comes to conquer. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When he rides on that horse, it ain't baby Jesus coming to sing a Christmas carol. It's the king Jesus with a sword to destroy all evil and overturn it. That give you a little different light on baby Jesus? See him that way. Because everything that that commander was without the armor is who Jesus came to be with a different set of weapons. Let's pray. The Lord won't force submission. It's not how his kingdom works. He gives us the terrible freedom that we can resist him, ignore him, and even deny him. It's a terrible freedom to have. He allows his kingdom to be resisted. He allows his lordship to be ignored. He's not going to meet you with a sword in his hand and demand you to repent. He's going to meet you with love in his heart, mercy extended, and invite you to repent. It's the kingdom that's extended through sacrifice and forgiveness and mercy. It's the cross that Christ came to destroy the powers of darkness with. Never a more heroic, courageous act than when Christ laid his life down and mocked on that cross. He did that so today you could find peace with God by having your sins forgiven. So what do I do, Jamie? You ask Christ to come be the Lord of your life right now. Jesus, you come and conquer my heart with your love. You come and be my Lord, Jesus. Just invite him online. You're listening. You've not said that to Christ. Make it a day of surrender. Jesus wants to empower you to set others free, but first you've got to be set free. Lord, we just pray for courage for that one that needs to take a stand this morning to say yes to you as their Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come among us. In Jesus' name, amen.